Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Photography, to me, I guess is best explained in the old adage, um, a picture says a thousand words. It's very emotive. It can really drive home, um, you know, uh, very powerful emotions. It can it can um, uh, send messages that are very powerful. And especially at the Shark Foundation, from beautiful sharks in the ocean to um, uh, all the way to the final, you know, unfortunate product of something like shark fin. Andrea Ritchie, uh, we are now sitting in the offices here in Hong Kong. Uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast. We know each other already, uh, haven't seen each other for years, and uh, I'm really delighted by how you're spending your time. I love it. Okay, so uh, let's just dive into the photographs and then we'll hear the whole story. We'll talk about whatever you want. Great. Okay. Can I have a glass of water? Yes, you may. Great. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so the first picture, um, let me just describe it, because just to give people an audio anchor. Okay, so it's a picture of a shop in Hong Kong. Uh, it's very kind of, it, I guess it, it's one of those shops of dried uh, seafood. This is like a nice looking shop. It's not grungy or dingy, very bright. There are a lot of people around you. Uh, the, the light is all artificial light. It doesn't seem to be natural light spilling in from the street. So I don't know if this is a street shop, but you can see the dried scallops. You can see what I know to be a large shark fin and small shark fin and a huge amount of shark fin, of dried shark fin. So, so what is this photograph? Why start with this one to, to open the conversation? Great question. Thanks, Ran. Uh, first, let me say thank you very much for having me. Very excited to um, always have the opportunity to get our message out. And of course, our message is to help raise awareness about shark conservation. So in regards to this photo, um, this is in fact a regular shop on the street. Oh, it is on the street. Yeah. Uh, um, this is in Saing Pun. Okay. Um, in between Saing Pun and uh, Shengwan and Central, you'll probably find, uh, I would venture to guess, uh, maybe a thousand well, yeah. dried seafood uh, yeah. shops selling all kinds of dry seafood. Um, this shop, uh, this this particular picture shows uh, myself taking one of my um, uh, famous tours mm -hmm. where I take kids on field trips or reporters or anybody who wants to go. I put together groups uh, every few weeks, maybe once a month. And uh, the, most of the people actually are uh, locals. Okay. I'd say 75-25. And 25% are probably people who live here or have lived here a long time. One of the most common comments I get is, I used to live here for years and I never paid attention and mm. noticed mm. all these dead shark fins right here that I walked by in these shops. Yeah, that area is called you know ground zero of the shark mm. trade. Mm. For I call it reason. the dried shark fin market. Okay, yeah. sure. But you have to understand every little community in Hong Kong, no matter where you go, whether it's Sha Tin or Mansan or Saikong, every area that has a little marketplace, mm -hmm. you know, like a wet market or whatever, will also have lots of dried seafood um, shops around it. So yeah, for sure. this just happens to be, as you said, ground zero. Is this particular shop, I mean, what is their relationship to you? Because when I went around, they were quite uh, abrasive to me. Hmm. So when you go around and you're, how, what's their reaction? 
So when I go around, um, and depending on, of course, who my group is, I'll usually speak to um, the group in English or Mandarin, because I speak Mandarin, oh, okay. not so good at Cantonese. And so I'll usually be speaking to them in English and Mandarin, or um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to them what's going on. And if the shopkeepers are kind of looking at us funny, I'll just talk, start talking to the shopkeeper in um, Mandarin. Oh, okay. And I'll explain that... Um, you know, this is a group of interested people. These are students, and they want to learn about Chinese culture. Oh, okay. And one of the most important things in Chinese culture, especially if you're getting married, are the f- big four, which is balsam chito, abalone, mm-hmm. sea cucumber, or sea slug, because it's really an animal, mm-hmm. shark fin, and um, uh, fish maw, or mm-hmm. fish bladder. So balsam chito in Cantonese. With these four things, people say you have a lucky marriage. Are They're the most expensive items that you can get, or some of the most so it also gives you face when you have say, right. a wedding or a, an annual dinner or a family gathering. They're pretty much very, they're, they're very nice to me. They smile. They oh, want to share. Okay. Um, the only time is if sometimes if they're taking photos, people um, in the shop might say, no, no, no. But we're standing on the street, which is right. a public area. So they don't really have any way. And they know that. So. Okay. Well, this brings up a really good point. So, so we met uh, in 2003, 2004 uh, in different capacity. And, but how long have you been in Hong Kong? I've been in Hong Kong 30 years. 30? Mm-hmm. Respect, man. 30 years. Wow, respect. Before that, I lived in China. And before that, I lived in Taiwan. Right. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Wow, so, wow, wow. So that's why I have Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, what a guanohan daka. So <laughs> my Cantonese is not so good. Sure. So, you know, these vendors all can speak Mandarin. Sure. Right? Because they're buying and selling with China. Mm-hmm. And we believe that 50% of the global shark fin trade is passing through Hong Kong. Does it remain? How much of that remains and how much of it goes to China, Singapore, Vietnam? etc it's very hard to mm. to um, know the exact um, data on that okay it, just to so that i i don't sound as much of, a, of an, an imbecile because uh, the the data the, the information that i know is at this point i mean i stopped really being hands-on in 2016 so how much has have things changed since 2016 and now so back back then just to remind you as, as an anchor i think bloom foundation it just not just, but it completed their, their sort of wide survey of, of the population in terms of what the attitude was in the population as far as consuming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was a downtrend that they were talking about in terms of local consumption. And I don't know if that was just a, a kind of, it just fell for a little bit and then it just came back or if that trend is held. That is incredibly difficult to measure. Uh-huh. Uh, as you probably well know, um, uh, surveys can be manipulated for an outcome. Mm-hmm. And um, many times we do a survey and um, you know we don't look at the education or the demographics or the age or et cetera. But we found, and I think the survey you're talking about is one that was done by Hong Kong University, mm-hmm. and they found there was a downturn in consumption. Mm-hmm. However, if you really look at the questions, if I went back and looked at the questions, they asked questions like, would you eat shark fin soup? And people said no. Mm. But then they followed on, but if it's put in front of you at a wedding, would you eat it? And they said yes. So you have to look at how you manipulate the data. Sure. And um, we call that passive consumption. 
where someone says, oh, I wouldn't buy it or I wouldn't eat it. But then when they go to a, an auntie's 88th birthday or some, or a wedding, you know, they, they will eat it. So, and they won't make any comment about it, which is why we try to educate people to be shark ambassadors, to sure. explain why at their wedding they're not having it, to mm. leave table tents that say this wedding had no shark fin soup because blah, blah, blah. So we have to be careful of, of, of data. Basically, uh, you know, it's hard to quantify. And when you can't measure it, you can't manage it very well. But the most difficult part about being an activist charity versus a scientific-based like Bloom or WWF or Greenpeace, right? The problem with this is we, um, we don't have much data because we don't have our own uh, marine biologists to create loads of data like the books and, um, you know, lots of reports coming out, which gives NGOs credibility. Mm. And we are more grassroots like um, Wild Aid, yeah. Sea Shepherd, and us, we are all of the same different yeah. kind of activism. We were actually at the grassroots changing cognitive behavior, changing hearts and minds, instead of just saying again, oh, we, um, you know, it's academic when you say um, the reef sharks are right. dying. Right. We, we know that. Yeah, right? yeah, or, yeah. The numbers are down. Yes, we, we know that. We need to do action. It's like constantly saying climate change is a problem, but not doing anything about it. We feel that we don't really need another report about mm -hmm. how the sharks are diminishing. But what I can tell you is we used to use the number 73 million. Mm -hmm. Then we kind of inched up to the number of 100 million sharks killed every year. And then last year in 2019, I was with Diego Cardenosa, who's a very famous marine biologist from uh, Colombia, mm -hmm. who's in Rob Stewart's uh, shark water, yeah. who is uh, doing uh, uh, some data research with Bloom and us right now that Hong Kong Shark Foundation is in fact funding. Mm. Um, he told me, Andrea, your number, 100 million killed every year. That's not right. And I thought, oh, darn. But you know what? He told me it's more like 270 million. Wow, wow, wow. And the reason for that, and I, I don't have anything besides a scientist of yeah, just like Diego's, a, yeah. you know, caliber and the data he's collected. Um, he tells me that before the 80s, people cut shark fins off and threw them in the water. Mm -hmm. And we said, shark finning is cruel and unsustainable. You chuck the shark yeah. back in the water and they suffocate and sink to the bottom, right? Sure. But he said, now they've become very resourceful. You now eat shark, not just for the fin, which is basically what we eat in Hong Kong, right? Because mm -hmm. fishermen all over the world, whether it's Yemen or Spain or Costa Rica, Uruguay, or wherever they are, they know fins come to Asia because they get the biggest The, the price, yeah, yeah. Correct. But little people, little do people know that in fact the shark is being saved and not being thrown overboard. And that shark, maybe as a result of bycatch mm -hmm. from long lining and gill netting, right? But mostly from overfishing, those whole bodies are now being cut up for steaks. Right. Italy, number two in the world ah. for consumption. And because they use the skin, okay. master tanners in Italy, ah, right? Okay, okay, okay. And number three, they use the shark liver oil which right. we call squalene yeah, yeah. for makeup women's yeah. lipstick um, women's moisturizers because sure. you see sharks don't have bladders what they have are very fatty livers right and so the oil in the liver much like whale oil in the turn of mm -hmm. the century which was used for kerosene lamps now people are coveting the whale liver so they can turn it into supplements Mm -hmm. The shark so, liver, yeah, yeah. Correct. So they yeah, can yeah. turn it into squalene, et cetera. 
So um, no longer is the shark just used for shark fin. Sure. That's just sure. all we really eat in Hong Kong. Right. And squalene supplements. That's very popular here. I hear you 100% loud and clear. Let's move on to the next photo. Now, this photograph is very powerful. It's in a photograph um, by our good friend, Alex Hofford, an uh, amazing conservationist, amazing person, who's such a good human being, really dedicated, um, incredible uh, photojournalist, really. And so the photograph here, okay, so at the top of the image, you've got just this hints of little islands. It's, it's in Hong Kong. The bottom three quarters is rooftops in Hong Kong, probably in, in uh, Kennedy, Town. Kennedy Town. There we go. And across these rooftops are just shark fins drying. And there are probably several hundred of various sizes, or maybe they're all uniformly sized, uh, several hundred drying in, this, in the sun. Yeah, it's a powerful image. <laughs> Beyond hitting you over the head with the sheer... I mean, here, if you just look at it in terms of the value, like one shark fin is worth how much money? So one shark fin, uh, you can't determine how much it is unless you weigh it. Right. Because okay. shark fin is sold by kilos. Sure. Or caddy in Hong Kong. Right, right. But basically it works out, you know, um, it can average anywhere from $20, right? Um, maybe 20 US, mm -hmm. right? 150 Hong Kong. The most expensive per kilo I have found is 2000 US. I had a, a field uh, trip I did with some students one time and I said, okay, find the most expensive. And I was, wow. I couldn't believe it because I hadn't even seen that expensive sure, before. Sure, sure. So, so on that roof though, mm -hmm. we're looking at several thousand dollars oh. of, uh, of, oh, uh, hundreds uh, of thousands, yeah, yeah, I would of, say. Of stocks. US. So, yeah. And that's, and that's the driver, right? The driver is sheer greed. Is sheer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So why, what, what, what would you like to add about this very powerful image? I particularly like this photo because it really sums up how the business is um, it booms in Hong Kong and how people don't realize it because it's above their head, right. literally. And what we're trying to do at the Shark Foundation is education, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to educate people. I'm a farmer. Okay. I plant seeds every day. So right now your listeners who uh, would be interested in trying to understand better the problem, mm -hmm. right? Take being critical, taking a critical analysis standpoint, you know, what is the problem and how are we contributing to that and how can we change? What's mm -hmm. the solution? This picture to me, when I show this to every one of my students, um, you know, we have an education program called the Shark Ambassadors. And that Shark Ambassador program, we reached out to 10,800 kids in 2019. Oh, great. So, which was a 350% increase from 2016 when I started this. And so, uh, every time I show this, I'm, and I said, look at this picture. This picture is in Hong Kong. This is on the rooftop. So, when you're walking around, you know, and you're a bit oblivious to the wildlife crime that's mm -hmm. going on right, literally above your head, mm -hmm. um, you may see it dried. Because this picture actually shows you the shark fins with the skin still on. Exactly. That's why they're gray. Right. And that's why when they get to um, now here, that means people will skin them yeah. and then bleach them a bit and then dry them. And so what you see in the market at Ground Zero is the finished product. Right. So these fins come to Hong Kong usually in a refrigerated uh, container. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're dried enough, they'll put them into a container and bring them. And we did have a huge shipment seizure, which is just the tip of the iceberg, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. It's just what they caught. 
Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So literally, if you think of an iceberg and what's at the top, they caught it. And this was back in 2019. Uh, sorry, in this year of 2020. And uh, in that shipment was two containers from Ecuador. And, um, you know, I don't know for a fact, I have a guess on why they got caught, but that would have been typical of uh, the container ship that mm, came, mm. not finished, not finished product, brought here, dried right here in Kennedy Town. Yeah. So students really, and people can really resonate with this because this is literally in their backyard. You know, they can relate to it. What? Yeah. In my backyard. Right. And I think that really helps because sure. out of sight, out of mind is too easy. Absolutely. And it's it's really great that one of the people who, you know, I, so I've known Alex si since the first day that I launched Shark Rescue, which was uh, in August of 2009. From the time that I've known him, he has been an incredible champion. And how do you feel about, okay, you have these incredibly uh, powerful images, but how do you feel in terms of the frustration, in terms of your energy when you're doing education and, and, and shouldn't the information be enough to, to create a change in behavior? So how do, you, how do you deal with that frustration as an activist? Well, that's, a, that's a, another great question because what you're talking about is, um, you know, you're looking for a catalyst that you can help people make a cause and effect connection so that they'll stop. That's a cognitive behavior change, right? right. So that people will stop doing something. And one of the ways is through a picture. And that picture, um, you know, Alex had a great opportunity. He, he really did a wonderful job. But you definitely get compassion fatigue yeah. as, as a, a um, you get compassion burnout. As an animal rights activist, as, a, as an activist, in, uh, you know, Hong Kong has been through a heavy year of activism. Sure. And... Um, Unfortunately, one of the things I learned from Alex is um, in order, you know, images are just one thing. It's about you plant those images, but you've got to educate people how to take action. Mm -hmm. How can an eight-year-old help? And so what I try to do is teach them that um, everybody can be part of the change. Mm -hmm. We're all agents of change. Even young people like Greta Thornburg, right? Yeah. She's a powerhouse of change. And she demonstrates how even young people can do one little thing and it makes a difference. I try to plant that same message and how people can make change is simply say no to shark fins. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Then take that message to your family, to your classmates, to your, you know, your church, to your community. And uh, the next level is, you know, sign a petition, get a petition going mm -hmm. to get other people of like-minded ilk to stop eating shark fin. And let's let's expand that that message a little bit okay. for people not in Hong Kong. In that, if you're if you're North America and you're Australia or whatever in the UK, the fish in fish and chips is very often shark meat. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's always it's always easy to be not easy, but it's always oh okay that problem is over there. Yeah. But you know, uh, I was I was in Montreal in 2016 and I was going to the grocery and they had sharks like baby sharks all over and you know because they're selling it for shark meat and interestingly enough those sharks uh they were finned you know okay they send the fins to asia but the sharks there are it's so yeah so it's not it's not a problem over there no matter where you are in the world sharks are everywhere so yep. the problem is is where you are and in fact the united states is like um one of the major contributors 
of um, shark fins in the world because they trans they transit through the U.S. or oh, they're caught off U.S. waters right. like Florida, right. California, Mexico. Right? They're caught off the in the Pacific Ocean, Atlantic Ocean, and then they're just put in containers, right. fins, and brought over here. So there was they're a part huge, of the supply chain. Yeah, 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 exactly. There was a huge uh, shipment uh, seized in Florida mm. just this year, also. And or late 2019. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's there. But, you know, people don't realize it. Again, they don't realize that they're part of the problem. So that's why we educate on, all right, take a pledge. Mm-hmm. I you know, say no to shark fins. Right. Number two, sign a petition, start a petition in your schools, particularly good for kids. Yeah. Et cetera, right. Yeah, yeah. Circulate that around. See what you do with that. And thirdly, you know, um, let's target companies that are directly and indirectly contributing to the the extinction of the species case in point maxims we started um at uh, alex uh, hofford's um direction mm-hmm. back in 2018 17 mm-hmm. 18 is 17 we started to um target maxims maxims group has 55 chinese seafood restaurants and we asked them politely in a letter, stop selling shark fin soup. No. We had a meeting with them. They basically said, to sum it up and paraphrase the meeting, um, that's okay. We're not going to stop. We make too much money from right. shark fins. Right? right? It's too much part of our tradition here. And so we went to the next level. We we um, started to um, do petitions. We got kids involved. Then we went to the next level, which was to protest. We had several protests at their restaurants. And then the last petition was focused on one of their um, franchises, which mm-hmm. is Starbucks. Mm. And uh, 10 days before the protest, um, we're not sure exactly what was the catalyst. They decided to uh, stop selling all shark fin products in all 55 of their oh. seafood restaurants. Oh, great. Yeah. As of Jan 1, 2020. Now, that was in two- September 22nd, 2018. But... The reasoning was they had a lot of stock, but I think they had stock, but they also had a lot of um, existing contracts probably with right. um, wholesalers and they had to wear, right, just right. run those out or right. they were probably looking at some legal action. So to go back to your photo, which is essentially a screenshot of these two older gentlemen, I mean older gentlemen, in their 50s and up, in front of a white kind of glass countertop on it are very large. I mean, those are large fins because if you imagine the size of a shark to have fins that large, because they're about, there's seven fins of more or less decreasing size. Probably, I mean, these are probably sharks of at least, you know, 400 kilos or whatever to a ton. I mean, they're, they're massive sharks and they're in a very kind of studio set of a kitchen with a, you know some nice countertops uh, there's a the sort of the elegant tap in, in behind the lighting's very nice it's obviously a studio uh, for German pool uh, let's let's sort of shame them a little bit and it's like a product advertisement on a website what is this so this is a great picture um, I think this kind of also sums up a lot of the culture and the sort of ostrich head in the sand or the ostrich phenomenon, as I like to call it. Just burying your head in the sand and ignoring it, what the problem really is. This is a campaign by a local company called German Pool. 
Mm. Has nothing they're, to do with being. They're German. local. Yes, that's <gasps> the founder right there. Oh, I always thought German pool was German. <laughs> nothing to do with German bastards. No, they make um, they make ovens and right. humidifiers and water heaters. Water, water heaters, yeah, yeah, for right? sure, yeah. And they're very good at what they do. They've been around a long time. I think they have a very credible product. And they created a um, social media platform called Happy Kitchen. Okay. Happy Kitchen is um, where they have cooks come on and use their German pool products to cook recipes. Sure. So the founder here is meeting with this gentleman who actually used to be the chairman of the MTR. Oh. And now he is a professor at Hong Kong U because he's a retired. He's no longer the chairman right. as of 2019. Right. So these two gentlemen, he's called in his best mate. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do, which is very typical, what men, what families, older generation, men and women in their 70s and 80s like to do, which is yum ta, mm -hmm. to go out, eat yum ta, or have family gathering. Mm -hmm. Family is very important in our culture. So he's teaching um, this gentleman his best shark fin soup recipe. Yeah. So when I saw this, I was pretty shocked yeah. because at the bottom it says um, something to the effect of, um, this is how disingenuous it is, right? Mm. Um, don't eat shark fin soup, but you, it's okay to use up the stock you have first. If you have stock mm. of shark fin soup, you can make this recipe, but don't right. go out and buy more of it right. kind of thing. And I was like... Almost a throwaway kind sure. of like plea to, okay, we're, we're sustainable. But I think the message is from a corporate social responsibility, or the message should be from a CSR, a corporate social responsibility standpoint. The message really should be absolutely, this is what you don't want to do. Exactly. Right? You are contributing to the unsustainability and the overfishing of the oceans, which has a direct impact, we know, on climate change. And you're and promoting it. Correct. So it's great that you asked me, you know, that we've talked about this photo today, because in fact, today we are launching a petition on support Hong Kong, okay. support HK.org, which is um, a, um, a charity here, right here in this office mm. um, in Hong Kong. And we are launching a petition asking German Pool to remove this video. And so, um, yeah, watch this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in around our podcast i'm going to link to hong kong shark foundation's website uh, i'll put other links as well as far as whatever you feel is is useful okay so let's go back to part of what's interwoven in, in shooting it raw is this idea that how can we how can the guests how can i how can we inspire people to kind of step back from everyday life and push things forward a little bit either for the greater good issues that are bigger than yourself, however however it is. So very inspirational. Okay, so listening to your language, I had mentioned this earlier, listening to your language, you have very clear professional services type language in the sense that I know that you worked in a law firm. Somebody listening to you who has a different mindset, who has a diff who has a, first of all, doesn't have the experience that you have or the training, how did you go from there to hear, is there is it a is it a big jump or was it actually just a natural progression? In 2019, uh, I was um, privileged to be asked to do a TED talk at Chinese University, a TEDx talk, and that really helped me to fine tune my message. And I had to really think about how did I get in this right? Mm -hmm. What what would be interesting to people? And my message, in as I explain in that TEDx talk, right, is 
2015, I had been working as a legal recruiter. I had worked for a Wall Street firm that, you know, I know that's how I know you. Mm -hmm. I was an ex-lawyer in corporate communications and um, I sort of had an epiphany. My father had died. My mother had a heart attack. And um, I sort of reached that age that women get to when they start questioning what's the reason for life. And I, I sort of, you know, what's my existence? You know, have I done enough? You know, what's the legacy we're leaving? And I, it just sort of came on. I was working with a lot of very um, rich clients who were making a lot of money and they were not happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There has to be more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just decided to start volunteering. So in 2015, I started volunteering for different charities in town, Christian Zoo and the Ark on Lantau. And Jenny is, does an amazing job out there. And then I knew Jerry McLean and Jerry was one of the founders, right? And he, I had seen his talk at the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club. And there I was sitting and I thought, well, you know, I'm a fairly educated person, right? You know, I, 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 I've worked in an educate with, in an education, educated population. And then I get there and I see this, you know, presentation with photos like I've showed you today. And I thought, wow, mm. you know, how did I not make that connection between the two? How is it I was, um, you know, eating shark fin soup mm. at weddings and mm. not, pushing back and saying, everybody, we have to stop this, right? Mm. And I didn't realize the actual um, decimation of that, that overfishing was doing to the shark population sure. and how one third of the species is near extinction. Mm-hmm. How, as David Attenborough says in, in One Planet, his show, he says 90%, we have lost 90% of the shark population in 30 years. Right. And that's what Rob Stewart was trying to do in his shark water, yeah. shark water extinction movies, you know, until we lost him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. January 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had this literally this sort of epiphany and I quit my job and I quit my job and I volunteered different jobs off and on for three years without pay. And then, um, you know, in charities, we are because we don't have big institutions or we receive zero government funding and very little, if nothing, over the years from uh, other foundations. Mm. We're all dependent on people like you and your listeners for keeping us alive. And uh, we literally run on a volunteer air. Volunteers are the lifeblood. Um, I'm the only employee right now for the Shark Foundation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I... you know, two years ago, I became the executive director. And my mission is really now to educate not just students, but to start campaigns like our Shark Free Company campaign, which right. is a, a corporate social responsibility campaign where we just signed up another company mm-hmm. yesterday called Legal Beagle, okay. which is a CPD uh, company where we're trying to get more corporate people into the green mind mm-hmm. that they can make a difference. You know, you don't have to quit your job like I did and really jump in, but people can become passionate, can be passionate in different ways. They can sign petitions. They can um, take pledges within them, with themselves, but they can spread the pledge around. They could have um, a company, uh, they got birthday parties and donate money. Sure. You know, they could have corporate company parties, annual dinners. They could choose a charity. I can come and be a speaker. So if they want to uh, give back and save sharks, they 
they not only can be a part of the actual um, activism of voicing and not eating it, mm-hmm. right? But they can also um, be a part by donating to ensure that I continue, that we continue. The fuel, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the absolutely great word. That those donations are the fuel to keep us going. Right. right. And this year, I have to say 2019 and 2020 have been incredibly difficult for charities, yeah. especially in Hong Kong. So we started in June of 2019 with the protests. And uh, and then we started with, um, you know, December and January of 2020, we started with um, the COVID-19. And people are concerned about their jobs and their health and their families. So donating to sort of a very, you know, what some might see as an obscure charity, because they don't see the, the cause and effect between why are, they don't think sharks are important. But what they don't realize is that they are the cleaners and sort of the keepers of the ocean. And without those apex predators, mm. we will have um, shark populations that are disappearing, but they also maintain a healthy marine ecosystem. Yeah. And we get 50% of our water and 50% of our air from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they keep those oceans clean. Without sharks, we will have uh, catastrophic uh, effects. We need to take action now. What is a really bad day for you in terms of, as an activist, when you come in and you're just like, Oh, man, are you kidding me? Well, I think as an activist, a a really bad day is when I see people not cooperating together to save sharks and right. save the planet. Right. Okay. I hear you. So what day, if you're going to look back in the past, say, four years, is the, the flagpole that goes so high in terms of what an achievement, your heart's bursting your chest. When I go to a school and I plant that seed and that message, and then I see young people like having birthday parties Mm. to organizations like Two Presents. I don't know if you know that. It's called Two Presents, and they're an invitation platform. They're really in the schools. Um, When kids decide for their birthday, they want to give some of their birthday money oh, to a sweet. charity. Oh, sweet. Nice. And in fact, today, after when, you f- when we finish, there's a child coming in here who did exactly that. And then she um, will come in and we'll talk about the, um, the, the presentation that she saw I gave, give okay. at her school. And we'll ta- thank her. We'll take a little photo. Nice. And with her parents' permission, we'll put that on social media and we'll call her our shark hero. Nice. And we nice. give her a little certificate. And um, she's a shark hero. Um, a, a great day and what keeps me going is when I see, um, you know, kids like that because they get it. Mm-hmm. They understand it. And they go a little bit further. You know, they want to even give their money because the reality is we're a business mm-hmm. and we still have to revenue generate something. Sure. Sure, sure. We don't have much to sell except for education right? and changing habits. And, and so that, that is a bad day too yeah. when, when, because we go through ups and downs in a charity and that's why we constantly have leadership succession problems because when a leader leaves a small uh, charity like ours they leave with everything exactly and everybody starts true. from zero exactly, again. exactly and not many people want to do that we just got a, a i'll tell you we just got involved in an organization called benevity mm-hmm. benevity is like a vetting company for charities uh, for corporates okay and um moody's one of moody's employees in hong kong was kind enough to give us a donation and then Moody's matched it. But we weren't on their list uh, of 
corporate approved charities. Right. So we went through months and months of getting approved. It's an organization out of the U.S. called Benevity. Okay. And we became approved. We're probably the smallest right, charity right, on right. there with some of the biggest impact, nice, right, of what nice. we do. And so that just got confirmed today. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited. It wasn't, you know, a huge amount of money, right? Little wins. Little yeah, wins. But yeah, but over a sure. thousand Hong Kong dollars, you can get a tax deductible receipt. Mm. That's not so big for people in Hong Kong. For people like in the U.S. who mm. pay a lot of taxes, yeah. right? Or Australia or the, or, or Canada in the U.K., tax deductible receipts are, are helpful. So that's really, you know, that helps a lot. And mm. we, we just got a donation from the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club. You know, and these are not huge donations, but um, I have to say the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club is probably one of our best supporters for the last two years. And they give us a donation every year and, and they're not a huge fundraiser, but it's just that kindness that will keep us going for another month kind of thing. So one thing that I realized was that if you can make a difference here, it'll have because of the, the its importance in the in the supply chain in terms of consumption, in terms of all that stuff make a difference here, it'll have an impact. Absolutely. May I give you an example of that? Impact? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a 16-year-old girl who goes to private boarding school in New York City. Mm -hmm. She happened to see our Instagram account because we're on Facebook, Instagram, sure. LinkedIn, you know, Twitter, and Weibo, right? Mm -hmm. um, she saw our Instagram account and she went, wow, I want to help those guys. And she reached out to me and mm. she said, hey, I want to help you. I'm a 16-year-old girl. You know, I'm good at social media. What can I do? And we've been working now. Her name's Catherine. She's unbelievable. And you know what? She started something called Redbubble.com is an organization in the U.S. where you can take your brand and put it on any product, right? Mm -hmm. A mug, an apron, a hat, a mask. And she put it on 15, 16 products. And she's been selling our brand in oh, the U.S. Wow. No one in the Hong Kong. They're all in the U.S. I think it's because the shipping is kind of sure, prohibitive, sure. right? So I've got all these fans now buying That's Hong Kong Shark Foundation great. products in the U.S. So that is an ex example of the global impact that small things can be done. That brings up something really interesting that sometimes it feels like you're pushing a rock up a hill and it's, it's super heavy yeah. and it's like really frustrating and and your 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 effort is all channeled in that direction and then somebody pipes up from the side little voice hello i can help and you're like what who and then yeah. you're like i'll make these a little uh, sure yeah and then all of a sudden it's magic you're just like wow keeps Where did me you going yeah it's amazing that, that it keeps me going and yeah, really the kids are mm. um they just get it, mm -hmm. right? And knowing that the kids understand the gravity of this problem and, and, and that they can do little things and be part of those agents of change. Yeah, that keeps me going every day. I, I always find like, you know, the, the whole thing of the kids, the kids, I think what it is is just simply they're not anchored to some kind of legacy. Somebody who's 15 now, who's 20 now, their uh, coming of age or their awareness is into this into this conversation this this awareness global awareness uh where more people are talking about for you know environmental protection yep. the issue of of uh oceans whereas they, they're not they're not held back by older generations who have this legacy of oh we always did this we've always done this Correct. it's fine you yep. know and so a bit of optimism how do you offer an opt a ray of sunshine to a kid who's like, oh, is it, is it, it looks really bleak. It looks awful. Like 250 or whatever the number you gave, million sharks still. Um, 
you know, the, the number is too big. Like it, it's almost meaningless, you know. But so, what kind of ray of sunshine can you give these these young minds? You know, there is room for optimism. I guess the word I would use is empowerment. Okay. Teaching, educating young people that they have the ability and the power within them that they are empowered to make change is very very important in a culture mm. in any society because um if they're not happy with the way it's going right they can make change just little things and it will make a difference and understanding like Greta Thornburg that just one person has a a, a knock on effect sure. right has a as a reaction down the line and that they're not powerless that they are in fact are it can be empowered and they can work together because mm. as i said to together they're stronger together right and so we have a saying that when the buying stops the killing stops too mm-hmm. and in mandarin we say uh when the buying stops then the killing stops too mm-hmm. right so if they understand that by just stopping the buying has a direct effect Absolutely. on the killing sure. it just you know it's it is really sums up what we're trying to do here you know we can do it together mm-hmm. whether it's other ngos and I, I don't rely on that i rely on just basically the hearts and minds of people making little difference yeah. through organizations like i said two presents or becoming a shark-free company or having a shark-free wedding right right yeah, you- so um, okay so uh, you've you've come also from the the more corporate side, and mm. you mentioned the CSR model or say framework within a company and organization, right? So somebody from the outside they can come in and they say, okay, can you fold this into your CSR activities or CSR uh, program? Do you feel that at this point? companies are still very much hinged on a clear CSR, um, the, the benefit of, of clear CSR activities? Or do you feel that it was a, a bit of a fashion that it kind of kind of came and went? I think it's actually a bit of both. I think it was a fashion. And I think people are still working on it. It can be a red herring where they just want to flag it up and get credit for it, right? Mm-hmm. But I do, um, oh, I definitely think it's super important right now. A lot of companies are really into these SDGs. Mm, what's and the, that? Um, uh, um, sustainable Development Goal. Okay. Right? Okay. They want to have SDGs, and a lot of them are government uh, approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and the United Nations has 17. Right, right. SDGs, mm-hmm. okay? And one of them, number 14, is life below water. Oh, okay. And so that's what we're trying to help companies who want to tick that number mm-hmm. 14 or get an SDG, you know, for their corporate social responsibility policy. We can help them to meet that need. Mm. And, um, you know, we're green is still something that's very new for a lot of companies you know the the basic four food groups of charities are children giving giving money being given to children elderly poverty and disabled or ill Mm -hmm. and so um we don't fall within that yeah you know even our own um operation santa claus when you apply to receive money from it Mm -hmm. it says very clearly at the bottom of the application no religious or animal rights organizations may apply right so we, we need to change that. And, okay, you know, they may have changed that within the last couple of years since mm. I saw that, but I don't think so. Right. But we need to change that mindset because the way I see it is, you know how you're on a plane 
and they say, well, if the oxygen mask drops down, put it on you first and mm -hmm. then cover your child. Yeah. I believe the green factor, the oceans, the climate change, the sharks, you know, I believe these factors are the umbrella, mm. which are over the children, the poverty, sure. the, the elderly. Because if we don't have clean water, if mm -hmm. we don't have clean air, if we don't have a healthy environment, right? If we're eating sharks with heavy metal in them, mm -hmm. like heavy metals like arsenic, arsenic yeah. mercury, lead, right? And that's just done in sharks, by the way. Yeah. Pretty much all fish has yeah. that. We need to stop eating. So, you know, that big picture is the atmosphere, is mm. the environment, the mm. green issue, which protects all those at the bottom. I agree, 100%. So corporate, so back to your question on, are they just, you know... Just, window dressing. Yes, window dressing, exactly. It's just window dressing, you know, are they just talking the talk? Um, I think corporates want to do, like the big investment banks that want to do something to not only be seen as giving back, but actually doing something for the bigger picture, right? The climate and mm -hmm. do something mm -hmm. green. But it's hard for them. They're a, it's a bit of a Leviathan. It's like you're in a big, huge Carnival Cruises boat and you want to turn left. You have yeah. to start now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It takes, versus if you're in a speedboat, you turn, you automatically can turn. We yeah. can turn, right. you know? So it's, I know that it's difficult for them. But if they take a chance on sharks, they're not just doing sharks. Mm. They're not just saving sharks. They're saving the oceans. It's the whole oceans, absolutely. Because the problem is overfishing, right? Sharks are the bycatch and they're yeah. being overfished. And so we can't just say, well, these only 10, you know, really only 10 species are protected under the site, United yeah. Nations CITES law, yeah. right? There are two new that have been added. Right. But the, there are basic 10 sharks, right? Mm -hmm. Great whites, basking, whale shark, there are others. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we need to be saving all the sharks. Sure. Is it uh, it's 300 species, right? Over 450. Okay, 450. I hear different numbers all yeah, the time. Yeah. So over 400, over 500, right, I like to go right, in the right, middle. Right. So okay. um, again, we don't know because every day, you, if, you know, if you're a marine biologist and you're out swimming, you might find a new species. So, right. you know, it takes time. But the point is that there's a lot of species, oh, yeah. over 450. And, and only, only 10. 10. That's why we as citizens of the earth have to take action sure and do it ourselves we mm -hmm. can no longer wait well yeah so waiting for the government to be proactive it doesn't happen they're usually the <laughs> one they're usually the one to come last at the party and then they give a stamp of approval mm -hmm. and then they say okay now it's now it's Safe, done yeah. now it's sure. now or it's they policy. rely on ngos to do their job okay and that's really typical especially mm -hmm. in hong kong okay where um you know you know a place like canada or the u.s you have the governments they allocate money right to ch to give to endow to give to charities and foundations but here the money is very again only goes to those four right, groups right. so the green the the environment the water you yeah. know um all these other kind of uh, environmentally related initiatives it includes animals they really are on their own mm -hmm. when it comes to fundraising mm. i am eating this up i re so so far on the podcast i've had i've had other conservationists as well i love how each person's voice is unique and the energy is different. I mentioned Po Chung before in, in the conversation, yep. right? So I've been working with Po a long time. And, and part of what we say is that who you are informs the service you give, right? So who you are as a human being, Andrea, is really, you're in a way the brand of uh, Hong Kong Shark Foundation. And I love that that, that identity is very articulate, intellectually forceful you're not a wimp but extremely caring and i just i i find that really inspiring 
I would love for somebody to hear this who's not in Hong Kong mm. to say, I'm going to get involved, even though I'm in New York or I'm in South Africa yep. or whatever, and, and create bridges because... Absolutely. Those bridges. Well, well, first, your words are very kind. And I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit with you because you were very instrumental. You know, you did your Sharks Rescue um, before, and I know you, you did some great activism by, you know, wearing, sh we have shark suits. Sure, Anybody sure. ever wants to wear yeah, a shark yeah. suit and walk around, you know, and, and raise awareness. But our motto, our mission is five words, to raise awareness about shark conservation and educate people about not eating shark fin soup and other shark products. Right. So, as I said, you know, um, if we can show people it's easy to be empowered, um, people, you know, your listeners, um, they may think, oh, it's okay, you know, to eat a little bit of shark or whatever. But I think we all have to do our part, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it's reusing and reducing or whether, you know, we're trying something to be a more greener, every little bit helps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just, it's just, I mean, it's just, usually it's a choice. You can go left or right. Absolutely. Why not go the the right direction. Correct, correct. There's a great quote by um, uh, the lady who actually uh, was an advocate uh, in uh, the Florida Everglades. Okay. She's the reason why it pushed it. And she said, paraphrasing what she said was, you have to be a nuisance. Ah. You can't, you, you just, you know, if you want to get something done, you just can't sit back and think it's going to happen. And um, maybe at least if I don't, be if I'm not involved in the Shark Foundation and it disappears, right? At least I'll know I, I did a little bit, mm. right? I I can leave this planet knowing I I tried to give back. A fantastic nuisance. Yeah. I, let's end on that note. Yeah. Thank it's you great. so much. Thank you so okay. much. Thanks. You. Very kind. Yeah. I love okay. it. Thank Thanks. you. Great. Thanks very much. So good. Really Thank appreciate. You. It. Amazing world is. Gratitude and a sense of humor go a long way.